Greetings to my fine Wool Channel compatriots. This is Clara Parks. I'm coming to you this week from my farmhouse up here in Maine. My window is open. Beautiful autumnal day outside. The sunlight is hitting a crazy quilt of oranges and yellows. And then there is the rich cranberry red of the sumac leaves. And then beyond that, a brilliant Maine blue pond in a cloudless sky. The sun and the sky is just reflecting perfectly off the water. And then we go out further, a crazy quilt with a little bit more green still in it, heading far north into the horizon. And if you listen closely, you might even be able to hear the crows deep in the field. They're arguing over something. Anyway, I decided to come to you in audio form this week because this weekend marks the return of the New York Sheep and Wool Festival in Rhinebeck, New York. This is a huge deal for people in the yarn world, in the knitting world, in spinning and weaving, and anybody who loves anything made out of wool, because this event, it's kind of homecoming weekend. And I'm not going. I'm still not quite comfortable leaving my little cozy nook here in Maine. And I thought, well, how can I take you there for those of you who can't be there either. And I realized, well, I know exactly how I can take you there. And that is why I invite you to make yourself a cup of tea, get comfortable. We are going to have story time. And this story time is the piece from my book, Knitlandia, A Knitter Sees the World. Autumn on the Hudson, Rhinebeck, New York. Nestled on the eastern banks of the Hudson River, just two hours north of Manhattan by train, is the picket-fenced village of Rhinebeck. It has all the trappings of the weekend getaway, the artisanal bread shop, reliable Thai food, a pricey French bistro, a high-end liquor and wine store, and, to preserve an illusion of small-town America, a diner with vinyl-upholstered booths and brusque waitresses. In the fall, Rhinebeck becomes a Thornton Wilder vision of bucolic small-town nostalgia. Between the foliage and the carved pumpkins on porches, you can't help checking the local real estate ads and wondering what it would be like to live here. I think this every third weekend in October, when I turn off the Taconic State Parkway and wind my way into town for the New York State Sheep and Wool Festival. So legendary is this show... It has attained Madonna or share status in the knitting world. It is known by just one word, Rhinebeck. Say that word to almost any knitter and you'll get a nod. It's huge. Tens of thousands of people converge on the Dutchess County Fairgrounds for two days of vending, demonstrations, workshops, competitions, and get-togethers. The town of Rhinebeck and surrounding villages along the Hudson come to a standstill on festival weekend, traffic backing up for miles in every direction. For me, it's a return to my upstate New York childhood, to autumnal sights and smells for which I spent years pining. I get to feast on still warm donuts and tart apple cider, and most important of all, feel the comfort of being nestled among my kin. The first show was held in 1972, one year before the similarly spirited Maryland Sheep and Wool Festival got its start. Like Maryland, Rhinebeck is sponsored by an agricultural group, the Dutchess County Sheep and Wool Growers. 
But unlike its southern cousin, this show requires a paid ticket to get in. Were it not for the ability to pre-order your tickets online, I suspect we'd see people camped out overnight to get first dibs on the hottest vendors. It all begins on Saturday morning, as cars quickly fill acres of grassy parking lots. Tour buses, chartered by faraway guilds and yarn shops, pull up and spill out knitters by the hundreds. They line up politely, single file, sometimes two at a time, smiling, talking, strategizing. The minute those gates finally open, the rush begins. Perfectly reasonable people break into a trot, then a sprint in that fierce I-have-a-plane-to-catch kind of way to get to their favorite booths before everyone else. Knitters are kind and lovely people, but you don't want to get between them and their yarn. Every bed in town has been booked for months, sometimes years. The no-vacancy signs extend up to Red Hook, down to Poughkeepsie, and across the Hudson to Newburgh. People trade rooms like drugs on the open market. Psst! I've got a double and only need one bed, you'll see a post on Ravelry. Does anyone need a place to sleep? Safety worries fly out the window as we snatch whatever we can, even if it means shacking up with a stranger. Rhinebeck is best spent with friends, whether close or casual or even assembled just for the occasion. I first went in 2003 with my childhood friend Teresa, whom I'd only recently taught to knit. We stayed at a chain motel in Poughkeepsie and returned to our room each night like kids on Halloween, pouring the contents of our bags onto our beds to admire. Soon I returned with my Knitter's Review friends, this time staying at a newer chain motel in Newburgh. As our group grew larger and rowdier, we decided to rent a place just for us. In 2009, we got cabins at the Mills Norrie State Park, which occupies 1,000 prime acres along the Hudson, just a few miles south of Rhinebeck. We drove in from every direction, me from Maine, Jen from Virginia, others from even farther afield. Our cars laden with space heaters and blenders, toasters, extra lamps, and half the contents of a grocery store. We hiked in with our goods, setting up cabins better equipped than your average freshman dorm. Everything was idyllic until we returned home on Saturday night to the news that we had no power. It had been shut off following an electrical short in the women's restroom. Nobody had been hurt, although we did have particularly invigorating showers that morning. I wished my friends good night and stumbled through the pitch-black woods to my dark, freezing cabin. I locked the doors, covered myself in hand knits, and shivered in my bunk bed, listening for the rat-a-tat-tat of old man Cooter's bloody stumps for fingers on my window. The next year we rented a big house east of Rhinebeck. Not only was it haunted, we all agreed, but it sold soon after we left. So the following year, we moved to a tiny farmhouse that had been remodeled so many times that it took us five minutes just to find the stairs leading to the second floor. We've since settled in a pretty home by the river with its own indoor lap pool we all talk about but never use. If you go to Rhinebeck or talk to those who do, you'll soon find that many people choose to rent houses with friends and make a slumber party of it. Another festival tradition, sparked partly by climate and partly by crowd, is the so-called Rhinebeck sweater, which Isolde Teague immortalized in her book of the same name. Mid-October in New York marks the beginning of sweater weather, and fewer venues offer as appreciative an audience as Rhinebeck. 
We plan our sweaters months ahead, picking our patterns and casting on. We go public with our projects, declaring our intents as sort of guarantees that we'll finish them in time. Friends cheer us on, goading, teasing, whatever it takes to get us to the final bind-off. Each sweater becomes such a community endeavor that by the time we finally see a friend wearing hers in person, we can't help but feel like we played a part in its creation. The last-minute rush to finish our Rhinebeck sweaters and shawls and socks and, and, and inevitably means late blocking sessions on Friday night. The next morning, up and down the Hudson River, Hotel housekeepers are baffled to find slightly damp beds that haven't been slept in. Who knows how many stray pins and darning needles have gone tink, tink, tink in their vacuum cleaners. By Sunday morning, the stranger things appear, like wads of what looks like wet sheep sitting on a towel in the bathroom, fleece samples handed to us by a friend and scoured in the sink before we went to bed. The Rhinebeck dress code is pretty simple. If it's hand-knitted, you wear it. This is homecoming weekend for wool lovers. There's no holding back. For each of us, it all starts with a favorite sweater, if not a Rhinebeck sweater, over which a scarf is tossed, or maybe two, plus a hat. Skirt? Why not? Don't forget mittens. Oh, maybe a felted bag, too. Oh, and knitted socks, definitely. Would leg warmers be overkill? And so we stumble through the fairgrounds in our woolens, like overburdened Christmas trees. But for this weekend, our passion is praised. If a knitter is bringing family, naturally everyone is expected to represent. It's a joy to watch a knitter parade his or her kin through the fairgrounds. Babies in strollers are adorned from head to toe, carefully tucked in beneath colorful blankets. Husbands or wives dutifully wear elaborate Aaron and Fair Isle creations that fit them perfectly. Even sulky teenage boys will acquiesce to wear, perhaps, a simple beanie. The festival has its share of tire kickers, too. Those non-knitters who come to see what all the fuss is about. They stand out in their freshly pressed city slicker attire, machine knit sweaters, well-polished riding boots, and barn jackets that have never seen a barn. They often bring children who've never encountered livestock in any context other than a restaurant menu. You'll see them crowded around the sheep-shearing demonstrations or lining the fence for the sheepdog trials. They cheer for the leaping llama contest and peruse books in the author's signing area, even though their contents are mysterious to them. Their willingness to take it all in is endearing. For vendors hundreds of whom compete for the 275 available spots, the weekend is about commerce. Staggering sums can change hands, tens of thousands of dollars per booth. Even in a slow year, the numbers are still remarkable. We hear of shoppers dropping more than $1,000 at a pop. The proximity to Manhattan works to everyone's advantage. These are among the best vendors in the country, selling to the most affluent. The primary merchandise being sold is, of course, yarn. It spills from every aisle, in every texture and hue, machine-made and hand-spun, vat-dyed, hand-painted, and au naturel. Alongside the yarn are heaps of fleece and roving in equally varied shades, from off the animal's back to technicolor. But also, and perhaps this is what distinguishes Rhinebeck the most from other shows, you'll find finished products galore. Not just mugs with sheep on them, but elegant hats, sweaters, socks, 
shearling booties, woven jackets, cheerful fabric aprons, and dresses made from repurposed wool sweaters. All are on hand for those who want to partake but have never knitted a stitch. People are still buzzing about the year Uma Thurman showed up and bought a pile of socks. Part of the magic is the fairgrounds itself. 140 well-manicured acres of paved walkways snaking among some 20 barns, big and small. This is no dusty gravel affair. There's grass in mulched perennial beds and lovingly maintained trees that have managed to hold on to their most brilliant foliage just for us. You amble to the soundtrack of a Peruvian pan flute band that plays along the main fairgrounds corridors. For years, we also had music from a hand-cranked hurdy-gurdy, atop which perched a rather dejected stuffed monkey. When mealtime arrives, you'll have to throw any aforementioned rules about festival food right out the window. This is the Hudson River Valley, my friends, the land of milk and honey and artisanal goat cheese. We're just a few miles up the road from the Culinary Institute of America. Sure, you'll still find fried dough, but here it comes in the form of airy and perfectly executed cider donuts, rolled in cinnamon sugar and handed to you for a mere dollar. The falafel vendor is so good, you'll hear people talking in line about how it's even better than what they had in Beirut. By the time you get to the front of the artichoke line, the smell of garlic and white wine becomes so intoxicating, you're ready to eat your own arm. The operative word here is line. Prepare to spend a lot of time in them. Rhinebeck is the place where you make line friends, compatriots thrown together by chance with whom you dedicate hours of your life in the pursuit of nourishment. Later, when you spot one another in the fairgrounds, yours is the greeting of old army buddies. I still remember some of the people from the famous chicken pot pie line of 2007, which lasted just a little over two hours. No, I'm not kidding. And had prompted such camaraderie, we could have formed our own village. Last year, a new pizza vendor had a 90-minute waiting list to get on the waiting list. Non-knitting spouses and family members become vital pawns in the quest for food. Husbands and children are dispatched to monitor the lunch lines, while knitters run back to the barns to pursue those elusive skeins of yarn just one more time. Those who don't really care will shrug and be satisfied with a basket of limp french fries, a dyspeptic tub of lamb stew, a day-old cookie from one of the vendors with a shorter line. But for the really good food at Rhinebeck, follow the people. You still have the occasional fryolator novelties, the deep-fried pickle, the deep-fried spaghetti and meatballs, the deep-fried artichoke, but they're in the minority here. You'll also find fresh kettle corn, candied apples, buttery cakes, and flaky pastries, all accompanied by fresh apple cider or perhaps a more potent coffee or chai served, of course, in biodegradable cups. Unlike Maryland sheep and wool, there are no lamb-only rules at Rhinebeck. When the afternoon lull hits, you'll appreciate something that's very unique to Rhinebeck. In an exhibition building that's smack dab in the center of everything, local vendors sell honey and breads, pastries, miles of cheeses, maple syrup, wines, and cordials. More than just selling them, they offer samples of them making it possible to get slightly sloshed in the epicenter of sheep and wool nirvana. 
The pièce de résistance of the food building is the maple cotton candy, which is as delicious as it is entertaining. Ooh, what'd you get, people ask, assuming I'll say merino or maybe a blend of cormo and silk. Instead, I shove a tuft of it in my mouth and chew. This being a sheep and wool festival, you will, of course, find sheep. The animal barns, however, make up far less of the focus here than they do at Maryland. Here, sheep provide more of a living museum than a significant marketplace. Yes, there's still showing and selling going on, but only two hours of formal selling and two hours of ribbon awarding for the whole weekend. Otherwise, the animals perform a public service for those city dwellers craving a connection with the country. Say hi to the sheep, I heard one woman tell her daughter, pointing a heavily jeweled finger at an Angora goat. Besides the usual retail frenzy, Rhinebeck has a deeper frenetic energy because it is the last big show of the year. While vendors are relieved, the stakes are high for knitters. This marks our final opportunity to gather any remaining nuts for the winter, by which I mean anything from a sweater's worth of artisan yarn to, say, a spinning wheel, loom, or drum carter. Yes, you can order these things online, but it just isn't the same. I suspect Rhinebeck retains its charm in part because it is such a fleeting experience. We wait for it all year, saving our pennies, planning our sweaters, plotting our menus, scheduling time away from work, renting rooms and houses, packing our cars. Then on Sunday afternoon, when the clock strikes 5 p.m., a voice over the PA system tells us the show is closed. Like with Cinderella and her magic pumpkin, the spell is broken. Even the light on the fairgrounds seems to change the instant the gates shut. Vendors whip into action, dismantling their booths in a fraction of the time it took to set up. Part of me always feels just a wee bit hurt, like they shouldn't be quite so eager to get out of there. But hurry they must, in part because the organizers only give them a few hours to disassemble. By the time the sun has passed over the horizon, most of the vendor barns have been stripped. Only a few sheep remain to reassure us a festival really did happen. Everything and everyone else has been loaded back into cars, vans, trucks, and buses. Having given our last hugs and said our goodbyes, we slowly fan out into the crisp fall evening, headed for home. That is my story about the New York Sheep and Wool Festival in Rhinebeck, written, I want to say, I guess in 2015, for Knitlandia, which came out in 2016. And I know some has changed. There's a lot more going on outside the fairgrounds. You have peripheral events across the river. You have events for more of the hand dyers and really good new vendors or new-ish vendors who, for whatever reason, can't get their own booth at the show. So it's become a whole, almost like a week-long activity. And if you've been there, but you can't go this year, I hope that this has given you almost sort of as good a feeling as being there. Until we can all gather <laughs> in the cider donut line, we'll let this tide us over. Again, thank you for listening. Until next time, this is Clara Parks. Take good care of yourselves this week. Bye-bye.